This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. How much do we understand about dementia? How it affects someone, what the signs are, or how someone's personality may change after a diagnosis of dementia. And unless you yourself are living with dementia or a loved one close to you is, do you have a stereotyped image of what dementia is? Maybe that it only affects older people and their memory. But memory loss and confusion are just some of the symptoms. Living with dementia can cause all different types of behaviour changes, including aggression and agitation, restlessness, being sexually inappropriate, suspicious depressed, fearful or anxious. And as carers, frontline workers and as a community, how can we better educate ourselves around the realities of living with dementia? How can we support people to be able to live a full life and a life with dignity? As a society, what can we do better to support and understand the realities of living with dementia. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning, my name's Rochelle Hunt. Dementia is the second leading cause of death in Australia and it's the leading cause of death for women. And this year it's estimated that there are around 400,000 Australians that are living with dementia and it's also estimated this year that around 1.5 million people are involved in the care of someone who was living with dementia. So then why, as a society, do we still understand so little? Today, let's try and just understand a little bit more about how it affects someone, how it affects their personality, and how we can do more, whether it be in our own lives, whether it be in an aged care setting or in a hospital setting. How can we do more to support and to understand the realities of living with dementia. Bobby Redman was diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia back in 2015. She is a retired psychologist and living on the coast of New South Wales and is also a part of the Dementia Australia Advisory Committee. Bobby, good morning and welcome to the Conversation Hour. Uh, let's, let's go back first to your diagnosis. How did that come about? What did you first notice? Uh, g- good morning. Thanks for having me here, Rochelle. Yeah, look, I, I was still working. Um, I was um, 64 when I first started to notice symptoms. Um, as, as you've said, I was working as a psychologist um, and my job was to listen to people, really. I worked with people with intellectual disabilities and um and their families to to kind of offer support and to to work with them. And and suddenly I was finding it really difficult to follow conversations, understand, hold on to what people were saying. Um, I'd always been very organised and lost my ability to to plan or sequence. Um, Yeah, it it got really difficult. And, And then friends, I went back to the UK and friends that had known me all my life um, basically recognised the changes in my personality which I wasn't picking up myself um, and was, you know, they said to me you, you're just not the person we, we knew we once knew, yeah. you're very different Was um, that confronting for you to hear, Bobby? 
definitely, most definitely confronting. And, you know, I mean, I argued, of course, because it wasn't something that I, I could see. And I made all these excuses, you know, the, the work stuff I was saying, I was overtired, overworked, you know, stressed, normal things. Um, and then with my friends said it, the, the psychologist in me stepped up and said, mm -hmm. look, you know, I'm noticing my lack of ability to do what I did and they're noticing these changes, it, it's time to get checked. So um, when you said yeah. your friends noticed changes in your personality, because that is a big part, I guess, of understanding the complexity that is dementia and it's very different for, for everybody. What sort of personality changes did they notice? Yeah, well, I, I've, I've always been pretty laid back um, and, you know, go with the flow sort of person, but I was very, I became I have become very argumentative, um, stubborn. Um, I can't. You know, my my thinking is 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 stuck. It's really difficult for me to shift my thinking. And if I have an idea, then that's the idea, and it's hard to to move. So what they were noticing was that you know I was really abrupt and and short with everybody, and you know yes, argumentative. And you know they said basically you've been really rude now. Um, and that was a shock to me because yeah. that wasn't how I'd been. Um, and I think the fact that I had really good friends that actually were willing to, to point it out to me and to talk to me about it. Because that would be um, tricky, wouldn't it? I mean, that's a big thing absolutely. to be able to yeah. have a really open and frank conversation like that. So then, Bobby, what are the next stages once you think, okay, all right, I actually can recognise these changes in myself now? Did you know where and how to get help? Um, look, I, I went to my GP because I suspected then that, you know, this was a, a brain thing. Um, and she, she sort of ran all the normal tests and checked out for any of the obvious things, uh, you know, a, a tumour or um, thyroid type things. Sorry, sometimes the words don't come. Um, so, but... You know, she said the same as I did initially. Yeah, mm. it's, you know, this is just, you know, you, you're overdoing things. But I'd already retired at that stage. I, I couldn't do my work, so I retired. So I was 65, so it was, was fair enough to retire at that point. Um, but so she wasn't going to just leave it there, but I insisted on seeing a neurologist. Um, and it was then he ran some sort of basic tests in, in his clinic um, and said, look, you know, we we can't decipher anything right this moment. You're still functioning well. But the bottom line is that the things that you're describing mm. um, would suggest frontal temporal dementia. And that was sort of the start of, of all the further investigations. Um, he said leave it a year um, unless I was, you know, deteriorating really quickly within that year. So after a year, I went back and that's when they, they did all the MRIs and I had the neurological testing and they, yeah, they identified that, yeah, that I'd, I'd got um, at that stage um, mild cognitive impairment, mm -hmm. um, but there were vast in the test, it, it showed there were severe slips in some areas. And then over, you know, over the time, it's it was moved into a, a full dementia diagnosis as, as things got tougher, really. This is a, a confronting question, so apologies if it, if it sounds um, inappropriate and, and you don't need to answer it if you don't want to. But Bobby, does it 
worry you knowing what lies ahead and some of the help that may or may not be there or the treatment that may or may not be there and some of the images and understanding that we have of dementia do you are you concerned that maybe that treatment may not be there for you it terrifies me to be perfectly honest um i'm absolutely petrified of of the future i i work hard to try and stay in the present because i don't want to be thinking about it because Otherwise, it just you freeze up and you can't do anything. But um, I have no faith in the system. Um, I, I don't believe that um, there is enough understanding generally or training um, for people to be able to look after us in the way that we want to be looked after. And um, I mean, I'll do anything in my power to, to stay at home. I live alone. Um, and I depend on technology really to to do the monitoring for me. With without technology, I I couldn't survive. Mm. I couldn't, um, you know. Basically, my my phone. I I don't know how to sequence my day anymore. So my phone is my carer and tells me minute by minute what to do, um, how to get through life. Um, I have an aged care package so I have a carer come in and she's a lovely lady and she does bits around but she wouldn't notice what's going on for me um that she doesn't have the training she doesn't have the qualifications she 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 cares um which is lovely yeah. but um and I'm very lucky I, unlike a lot of people I, I have one carer and she comes in consistently so I I don't have to keep re-educating other people on my special needs. Gosh, and the fact that they're there to care for you and you don't feel confident that they have the training and the education and that's been in the forefront of conversations this week with the news, um, you know, around the, the awful death of Claire Noland more than ever before where questioning what is the education and what is the training that's put into place so that people like yourself, Bobby, feel secure, you know, that you don't yeah. feel frightened and the fact that you don't have faith in the system, I dare say you're not alone there. What would what would you like to change? What would see you have faith in the system? Because, you know, you've paid your taxes your entire life. You're now an advocate for Dementia Australia. You've done more than your piece. You know, you worked within the healthcare sector and the mental healthcare sector yourself. And yet you feel like the system is going to fail you. What needs to change? it's it's about education it's it's you know the system needs more money um there needs to be better education there needs to be better numbers in the nursing homes um sorry re- residential care services yeah. they um they don't have have the numbers um of people but the people that they do have don't have the training so you know i mean this situation with with poor mrs noland um you know that that just makes the whole thing highlights the whole situation for me i mean it's it's our greatest fear we we know that the people in there don't understand us and this as you mentioned earlier there's a stereotype on what we should be like and so we're seen as being helpless and you think um helpless and mm. and needing just love um but that doesn't happen um, even at the later stage, but but bearing in mind, you know, there's a high percentage of us living in the community that get virtually no support at all. Um, you know that people don't recognise our needs. They don't see the fact that 
um, you know, I I can't think ahead. I can't tell you what I'm doing in ten minutes' time. My phone tells me. Yeah. Luckily, I'm I'm good with technology. Yes, they, and they technology don't. is interesting, yeah. actually, that you you mention that, and not that we ever, you know, we're quite afraid of AI and the advances in technology. But in in just a moment, we're actually going to speak with a a doctor and a clinical researcher that's been looking at how AI can help us as humans ensure that people like yourself, Bobby, get the support that you need. So I'm hoping, out of all of the fear around AI, there will be some incredible advance and maybe pick up where we're failing as humans in some way. Bobby, I could speak to you all day. Uh, Thank you so much for being so open and honest and spending some time with us today. We wish you all the best. And thank you for the work that you do uh, with Dementia Australia as well. And thank you for highlighting this. It's so important to us. Thank you very much. Take care. Bobby Redman, just diagnosed with uh, frontal temporal dementia back in 2015. If this resonates with you, our number's one three hundred triple two seven seven four. You can text zero four three seven 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 four seven seven four. Penny's in Rutherglen. Hi, Penny. Good morning, Rochelle. How are you? Well, what did you want to say? Well, there have been so many points that have come out of the conversation so far. You know, why don't we understand more? Lack of training. Stigma lack of training, lack of adequate education for people working in aged care, for emergency services and for the police uh, and for the broader public, the broader community. With a new diagnosis every six minutes, we are all going to encounter dementia, Mm. be it a family member, a friend, a work colleague, a neighbour, we are all going to encounter it. We need to know how to respond so that we can maintain quality of life with dignity and respect for these people. Who gives that education, do you think, Penny? Because I wholeheartedly agree. And then I wonder, where does that education come from? Okay, so Dementia Australia is one of the key bodies for for education at the moment. Um, But it's it's not reaching enough people and it's not ongoing. Um, People will go to a a three-hour workshop. Well... It's not going to change anything. It's got to be embedded and there should be some sort of mentoring system within facilities and within the aged care centre that monitors progress and and, uh, models to to workers how to be able to communicate Mm. and respond to people with dementia. I mean, there's a fundamental lack of understanding that behaviour is an expression of an unmet need. Um, And the ability... There was a comment to say that, no, I won't make that comment, it could be tricky, Um, but these these people don't know how to... And this is the thing, and we have such a, a shortage within the workforce as well, but education is a huge part of this. I just wonder how we change that and how long it will take to change it, but I 100% agree with you, Penny. Thank you. This text, my mum recently died with advanced dementia. As a family and as carers, we focused on providing love, support and non-judgment. Familiarity was very comforting to her. We also had an end-of-life plan based on non-intervention, dignity and being pain-free. That's from Simon. And that's what we heard from Bobby, wasn't it? That she just works hard to stay in the present so that she can cope with what will happen in the future. On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is The Conversation Hour. 
Good morning, my name is Rochelle Hunt and today we're looking at understanding dementia as carers, as frontline workers, just as a community. How can we better educate ourselves around the realities of living with dementia and how can we support people to live life with dementia with dignity? What do we need to change? Dr Maggie Hirsch is a clinical researcher and she's a director at TALUS and you started your career out as a nurse and a midwife with a PhD in behavioural science in medicine, Maggie, and since then you've got decades of experience working in health and aged care and in particular supporting people who are living with dementia. We just heard from Bobby and a lot of love and respect is coming in for Bobby on the text line, but she says she feels like she has no faith in the system. Is the system letting people down, do you think, Dr. Hirsch? Oh, it's great to be with you, Rochelle, and it's such an important discussion. Um, I think that it's more than just a system. It's actually a societal response. And I think your person who came in after Bobby, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, but she talked about stigma. And I think that Dementia is probably the most feared disease. It now is more feared than cancer. Now, if we have such an issue about even understanding and addressing, being diagnosed, getting the tests, very much like what Bobby has just done. I mean, what an amazing woman. Yeah. You know, it's the stigma that stops us. It's the attitude that then prevails. And we need to really address the destigmatization of dementia firstly and then everything should follow and just on that point yeah. i'm very pleased to know that um there's a national dementia action plan being um undertaken now by the australian government so this is a very important part of really getting all the ducks lined up shall we say that yeah. system wide yeah and so what's important to be in that action plan do you think to break the stereotype and the stigma to ensure that there's better education not just from frontline workers from aged care workers but from society as well i mean we're pretty much when you're saying yeah the ducks have got to line up but it sounds like we're starting from scratch I don't know that that's true. We've got some incredible research that's happening to really understand uh, dementia. It's very complex. It, it manifests in many different forms. Not one single person is the same as another person. But, I mean, just that reflection on Bobby is enough for people, I think, to be inspired to kind of even think, well, if I get it, what will I do? What are the choices, decisions that I'm going to make? And to have those conversations now, because it is um, growing, there's no doubt about it. Um, in terms of um, education, let's just kind of, that was, I think, one of your first questions, yeah. which was, um, there is a lot of free education out there that's very high quality. Um, and Dementia Australia has been mentioned a few times. There's fantastic fact sheets there, but they also do lots of immersive training. So that helps bring the empathy that you need when you're working in this field um, to really try and be in the shoes as best as you possibly can with someone who's experiencing the effects of what dementia can do. Um, University of Tasmania, sorry. No, no, go, go. Uh, University of Tasmania is the Yeah, a few people have centre. mentioned that. that yeah. That, yeah, that's, that's come through very strong, the University of Tasmania and the work that they're doing. Maggie, before we get into the, some of the incredible work that you've been doing with AI and how that can help us, you mentioned diagnosis. Bobby mm. spoke about diagnosis. I mean, her GP, she sort of actually had to push back and say, well, look, no, I think I need to go and get some scans. 
there's a text here that says, I've been trying to get a diagnosis. It's taken 12 months. I live in regional Victoria. So you you can't get the support, the medications, nor the care. The memory clinics also need more funding and staff just to get a diagnosis. Dementia Australia won't speak to if you don't have this diagnosis. It's a dog chasing its tail daily. Do you hear that often? I look. It, it, yes, I can see this. I can see how difficult it can be. But even doing the, the simple screening tests um, is something that the GP can and, and should do, and especially if you request it. Um, and I think, like Bobby pointed out, persist. It's like if we improve our own literacy um, around dementia and, and more generally around ageing, um, then I think we're in a more powerful position to negotiate what can be a very complicated health system, particularly when we've got really dispersed health services Mm. and we're so huge as a country, you know. Um, But, you know, COVID did us some favours, dare I say it, in (laughs) terms of telehealth and and thinking differently about accessing healthcare when you're not in big centres. So I, I just recommend people persist. Um, and and get that support, and particularly through local GPs, that's a good avenue to go through. Tell us about the incredible work that you've been a, a part of that's looking at AI, and we all hear AI, and to be honest, most of us freak out a little bit about how it's going to work against us as opposed to with us. But some of the work, and I know in the past, you've done some amazing work looking into music and personalised music and how that will help the individual who is living with dementia. Let's take it to the next level of AI. How can that not only help carers and people working within the healthcare sector, but how can it help the individual who has a diagnosis of dementia? Yeah, I think um, the, the the platform that I'm working uh, in with this company called Talius is unbelievable in terms of looking at creating what you call like a census story where uh, the work originated through some early research that CSIRO did and we use the algorithm from that platform Um, and it started in home care very much like Bobby someone living alone at home that needs lots of reminders and people can log in and see you know from having a sleep sense underneath the bed um, that can see whether you're getting up out of bed or not um, to you know uh, humidity sense in the bathroom um, you know th- there's a whole range of sensors that can also kind of give you an idea of main I kind of break it up into two ways of thinking about it an mm. acute or immediate response so you've had a fall and you need help or it's a slow decline so your patterns change over time and that's particularly valuable with this algorithm because it's something that people may not have the insight into but you can actually start to see that patterns are changing the habits are different maybe there's more um you know visits to the toilet shall we say that might indicate for example a urinary tract infection or something else going on that gets the clinician to ask questions and to explore further Um, it's a it's a tool it's a way of having more data-informed care and you can do it remotely and we're putting it into residential aged care services as well because because the workforce is so thin there's no point in a way saying you know we need more staff we all know that we we, we've got to actually be more innovative around Mm. how we provide good quality safe care and that's where technology just comes into a a field of its own well i mean bobby 
pretty much said her phone is her best friend and it's how she remembers everything. So in this case, you know, we really do need to see it as an ally, don't we, and something that can work oh. for us. And, I mean, that's that's exciting to know that that's happening. Maggie, thank you so much. Thanks for your time and, and your insights and for the work that you do as well. It's so important. Oh, thanks for doing a session on this. It really needs more broader discussion. So thank you very much. Dr Maggie Hurt, she's a clinical researcher and has been working pretty much her entire career in behavioural science and in particular within the sector of uh, dementia. Jane Morris has called through. Jane, good morning. So you're involved with the with Dying with Dignity. What did you want to say today? Yes, thanks for listening to me, Michelle. Um, just to say, yes, we do a lot of presentations to the public and the most frequently asked question we get is that of dementia. People who've seen a loved one go through, you know, the hideous, hideous um, end stages of life. There are over 100 different types of dementia and there are so many different presentations. It can be, you know, with verbal or visually. The late Dr Rodney Syme, who was our patron, was writing a book about dementia. This is something that really, really concerned him and the state of aged care. And he had just about finished this book before he died. And at the time, he had cared for his wife of five years, for five years of her dementia journey. And we're going to publish this book because it's something people really need to be aware of. People need to be talking about I think when people are initially diagnosed, there's help everywhere, but it's in those latter stages where families who've been looking after a loved one can no longer cope. They're put in aged care facilities and we need a lot more research involved Mm. because these people can't communicate. We don't know the levels of pain. We don't know how anxious they are. It's purely sort of on from observation and we just, we just need, as I said, a lot more research to be done because it is going to affect every single one of us either directly Yeah, the or numbers indirectly. are huge. Absolutely. I mean, at the moment, I think the current number is around 400,000 Australians that are living with dementia, but then you have all of the people that it affects and the people that are caring as well. Jane, thanks so much for calling through and sharing your thoughts. Nisha has called. She's in Shepparton. Hi, Nisha. Hello, it's um, good to hear this topic being discussed. I'm a uh, sand clay therapist and I work also, my co-workers are uh, Labrador dogs, Mm -hmm. professionally trained. And I'm working with a a lady at the moment and she has the dementia, she's in her 80s. And the fact that she's able to come in and use the sand and use miniature toys to be able to tell her story is quite remarkable. She has money to pay to be able to come, but there are so many people that I know that I could help but they don't have the money. And unfortunately, I need to be able to make a living. Of course. But, so we need money to be able to help those people. We also need the research. Now, I, I was, I've i been able to have the assistance of the daughter. And from that, we put together a program and some goals. But that it's working. It is actually that must be frustrating, not. Nita. We, you know, we talk about education and we talk about needing to break down stigma and stereotypes. Yes. And you have something that's working, you know? It is. And it's remar- I'm getting teary because it is working. 
Yeah, it must be rewarding work that you do, Nita. Oh, it certainly is. And to see this lady, oh, sorry. It's okay, <laughs> but to take see your time. This lady from, to see this lady from the first time she came in and she didn't know what to do, she just sat and we directed her daughter and I directed her. And now she comes in and she'll choose things and she puts things here, there and everywhere. And she, and she hardly babbles. And she's and there's been a difference in in the where she lives in aged care, and that's remarkable. And mm. I would love to do more. I'd love to be able to um, find out more about it all. And the, yes, there are lots of things that I've and I've been on um, research, and I've gone onto um, websites and read about it all now. And I've, I guess the thing that I I also would like to say is that. No matter who that person is, somewhere in there, they're, they're still there. Yeah. And we've got to remember that. And through this sand play therapy, I see this lady, she's still there. She still thinks that she's a, a teacher. She still is concerned about the welfare of children. And she's putting that into a tray. Oh, Nita, what a gem you are. I mean, when we talk about <laughs> dignity, you're giving that in spades. We're gonna, well, I'm going to pop you back on hold so we can get your details and, and, and see what we can do. And if nothing else, I dare say people will want to get your details. So, Nita, thank you. Really, honestly, look after yourself, okay? Yes, thank you very much. All right, we're going to pop you back on hold so that we've got your details. And there's been lots of mention today as well around Dementia Australia. Let me give you some details and some numbers. They have a free call number. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So it's incredible. It's 1-800-100-500. So that's the National Dementia Helpline. It's 1-800-100-500. They also have translating and interpreting services as well. So I'll give you that number if English isn't your first language. 131-450-131. Four five zero, But you can jump onto their website, Dementia Australia. They've got lots of information. You can email them. They have web chats, all sorts of ways that they can help you. On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning. My name is Rochelle Hunt and we're looking at trying to understand dementia more. We just, we need to, as carers, as frontline workers and as a community, we need to educate ourselves more around the realities of living with dementia and how we can support people and their carers to live a life with dignity. So what can we do? This text is quite long, so I'll just read a little bit of it. And it says, Rish, it also affects younger people too. My two daughters, who are now 20 and 23, Uh, They were diagnosed with degenerative uh, genetic disorder eight years ago. It affects their cognitive ability and their primary short-term memory as well. It's really difficult for people to understand as they present really well. And someone who understands, I guess, the difficulty of breaking down stereotypes of dementia and who it affects and the age of the person that affects and how it affects you is Anne Tudor. Her partner, her wife, I should say, Edie, had early or young onset dementia and passed away as a result of complications to that. And Anne, you now have, and congratulations as always, received an Order of Australia for the work that you do as a dementia advocate. We're hearing today over and over again that there just needs to be better awareness and support and education. And this is something that you've been calling for for such a long time. 
where are we at, do you think? Like, do you feel like when you, the work that you do, you're making progress? Oh, thank you, Michelle, uh, for the opportunity to speak and also for uh, promoting this incredibly important uh, subject. Uh, look, I think change is, is slow and, uh, and, and little bit by little bit, but I think when the human stories are told, it makes an enormous difference. When people get a perspective uh, that they're not familiar with or they haven't heard before or they, they didn't quite understand, then I think they begin to see that we're talking about human beings, human beings that still have capacity, have amazing history uh, and are still there. I think it might have been An Angela. Angela's story was so lovely um, in, in what she was talking about. And I think it's those things each person can contribute to making change really by the way that they speak about people with dementia, mm. by the support they give to carers. Uh, it's so important because Edie, Edie said that um, as a result of her dementia, our hearts became bigger. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that the, bigger hearts has always been the mantra. And I think that's what I want to call out, that the people who are looking after people in residential care or in home care who are paid carers need to understand that they're, they're dealing with a human being. They need to bring understanding, knowledge, education, compassion and respect to each person. It's so easy for people to misinterpret behaviours it's so easy for people not to know what to do in a situation. But how would you deal with a human being who is either confused or um, perhaps uh, has a change of medication, is behaving in different ways, uh, is, is um, in a way uncomfortable for you to look at, uncomfortable for you to deal with? How can you challenge yourself to be able to react and respond to a human being in a loving way, in a compassionate mm -hmm. and understanding way. That's that's Absolutely. really what the message is. This is really the message. And I think that if you come at everything like that and come at it with a big heart, because there's a lot of mm. fear around dementia, mm. isn't there? Yes, around, absolutely. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to act. I don't know how to help. Mm. Fear around people's behaviour, fear around the confusion, whatever it may be. And mm. whether that fear comes from lack of education, whether it comes from maybe the way that person's behaviour has changed or from the fear of losing someone that you love even though they're still standing in front of you. Mm. If you come at it with love mm. and with a big heart, that makes, hopefully it diminishes that fear a little bit. When we look at education and when we look at support for those who are working within aged care, with, working within the dementia sector, Mm. How do we support, like there's coming at stuff with a big heart, but then sometimes you just need a big bloody checkbook as well. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. how can I, we balance that? But, well, firstly, it has to be acknowledged that there's an issue. It has to be acknowledged at every level, at the individual level, at the community level, at the professional level, at uh, political level, uh, at state um, local government and also nationally. 
uh, I think once people uh, start to realise, and, and let's, we've had a Royal Commission. It's not as if we haven't examined these issues and recommendations haven't been made. We need to go back to the information contained in the Royal Commission and the sort of issues that people are raising today have been raised many, many times yeah. before. That must so be frustrating. Yeah, and I think it is uh, frustrating. So, firstly, that is the case. Then there needs to be a, a truly committed response that at a human level, at a financial level, at a political level, we need more people involved in care. Thankfully, they're beginning to be respected a little more and paid uh, more Aged care is, uh, is, is very, very uh, vulnerable and, you know, not a lot of money is set aside for people who are at the latter stages of their life and have great vulnerability and great needs. So, you know, I think certainly money has to be uh, put into it. But more than anything, the education of people who work uh, in the area is incredibly important the right people and the right people are those that are open to learning and care it's it's not that complicated uh, it's not about doing a job for the money uh, you know there are too many stories about abuse of uh, elders and uh, people need to call it out they yeah. can't be allowed to work in in uh, in this field well, and the work that both yourself continue to do and the work that Edie did as well as an advocate for awareness is incredible and the work that she did still lives on. Uh, so thank you so much. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Keep that fight up, hey? Hey, thanks a lot, Rochelle. Cheers Good on now. You. Bye-bye. And Tudor, who has received an order for Australia for her work in advocacy in dementia. She's a, a dementia advocate. Our number's one three hundred triple two seven seven four. Darren Midgley is the CEO of Chaffee Aged Care in Meribyn. And Darren, you're already thinking outside the square at your home. You're an intergenerational home where, you know, you've got young people, the childcare and seniors side by side. When it comes to dignity, care, education around dementia and people who you have living in a home together... What can be done better, do you think? And what would help you too, as someone that's a provider, ensure that the people that you've got working with you have that education and have that love and have that compassion and understanding? Good morning. Well, there are there are several different things, I think, that can be done in this space. And obviously, uh, our intergenerational program has given us significant insight into uh, some of the options and opportunities that are available to advance um, how we deal with and how we manage dementia and to create better outcomes for people with dementia. But fundamentally, the big issue is about funding and there clearly needs to be a bigger investment in dementia support and dementia care and in particular in dementia care in aged care environments. Um, dementia care can be a very resource intense um, uh, element of the work that we do to uh, to appropriately support somebody uh, with very special needs and each person who is diagnosed with dementia has very specific mm. needs it's not a generic one size that's right all. so when you talk about dementia care and needing that funding and that support talk to us a little bit about what that would look like on a, a daily basis and how that would impact you so if you had an individual a loved one of somebody's that is there that needs high level dementia care 
What sort of resources does that take? What sort of uh, educational background does that take? So it takes a range of different educational backgrounds. Obviously, we have our personal care assistants who are working very, very closely with our people who, who are diagnosed with dementia. It requires the the observation, assistance and direction of a registered nurse, but in partnership also with allied health teams and medical practitioners, um, aged persons, mental health units, um, psychogeriatricians, there are a range of different professionals who all need to come together to um, essentially design and provide an appropriate level of care to support the person who's living with dementia. One of the big issues, of course, is the rise and rise of dementia in our community, and we see more and more dementia in our aged care facility. So the incidence is increasing in our community. Um, For our staff, it's about providing training, and we provide, we make accessible almost 50 different training modules around dementia and managing challenging behaviours. And is that something that is optional for you, Darren? Like, is that something that you take on because you think it's important for you, for your staff and for your residents to have? Or is it something that's mandatory if you're running an aged care home? Yeah, it's not mandatory. It is something that that, uh, that we do on an elective basis. And and I, I would think most aged care providers probably do but you know it's important to note also that dementia is covered in in the coursework um, as people prepare to enter into the profession it's covered in in the certificate courses and and in nursing courses as well so there's you know it's something that's covered in in the, in the basic qualification but it needs to be expanded upon and, and people need to be continually developing their professional skills so that they can mm. better attend uh, to the care needs of people with dementia. Are you confident that it will change? We've spoken today about everything, about a a new national action plan and of course the Royal Commission Um, but are you confident that we will start to see change so that education stigma stereotype starts to change, Darren? I think we will start to see change for sure but I I think that more resources need to be dedicated to the emerging growth of of dementia in in our society uh, and in, in our aged care facilities, aged care facilities are very poorly funded. It can take one-on-one care at, um, at times to, to, to deal with the challenging behaviours of somebody with dementia and to keep them safe and to keep staff safe as well. So it can be a big issue uh, in terms of the funding that we receive because we're not funded to deliver one-on-one care in our sector. Lots of changes need to happen. Darren, thanks so much. Thank you so much Good for to hear from me. you. Good on you. Darren Midgley is the CEO of Chafee Aged Care in Meribyrn. They're an intergenerational aged care home. But let's have a chat to Dr. Kale Stokes. She's the Executive Director and Advocacy and Research of Dementia Australia. And so many different, I guess, thoughts, reflections and ideas on how we can support people better, Kale, in living with dementia. It's individual it affects everybody differently what changes would you like to see good morning Rochelle and it's been a really uh, wide-ranging discussion this morning I have been listening along I think one of the key things that's been drawn on during this morning's discussion has been the lack of consistent education for those working in the healthcare, disability and aged care sectors and and our emergency services as well and I think Dementia Australia has very much focused on advocating for a much more consistent approach because whilst we 
We know that we need more workers in aged care and, and you know, there is an element to drawing new staff into the sector. We also know that we need to be able to equip people adequately to be able to support people living with dementia. We've already heard about the, the numbers of people living with dementia that are uh, living in Australia and the number of people caring for them. And it's really important that if we have staff that are caring for people living with dementia, that they have the skills and capacity to be able to do that in a quality way because it, it results in a much better outcome, not only for the person living with dementia, but also for the mm. staff themselves. James in Rye sends a message that says, on dementia and aged care, talk has been on staffing and training, but what about management? More often, staff care management are profit-oriented and not care-oriented. Either community-controlled aged care, the best or the care must be written into the business and into the business plan. I mean, I guess fundamentally, is there a lot broken with our aged care system that something like a dementia plan and dementia education is an opt-in? Like, it's not even mandatory. Well, I think it's important to, to note that there are a significant amount of reforms uh, in progress at the moment. We've already heard from previous callers about the National Dementia Action Plan, which will be a really important way of starting to frame all of the activity that is going on in the sector. And I think there has been recognition since the Royal Commission into Aged Care Quality and Safety that... Dementia should be core business for our sector because we know that, you know, about two thirds of people living in residential aged care will have a moderate to severe cognitive impairment, but there's not really been the mechanisms in place to make that happen. That's not to say that there's not some incredible care being delivered out there in the sector because there is. And we often find when we've worked at Dementia Australia with aged care providers, the best results occur when we're working with the whole service, including management, including catering staff and cleaning staff and administration staff, as well as the aged care nursing staff. So that's a really important um, culture change that we need to see more consistently across across the whole sector. I know you have a flight to catch, but I just want to ask you one last question. And we heard at the beginning of we heard at the beginning of the program from Bobby, and she spoke about how she has people. She's still living at home, living with dementia, uh, relies a lot on her phone to be able to help her and, and track things. And she has carers come to her home. And she said, and even though they care, so even though they're sweet and their heart is in the right place, they don't have that education, they don't have that knowledge mm. and that training. Yet there's someone, whether it be through whatever pension or however that has somehow been funded, someone that is going to her home to help her and yet she doesn't feel like they have the training. I mean, does that not ring alarm bells for Dementia Australia that, you know, we're just lacking so much education out there? Mm, I mean, Bobby is an incredible advocate and uh, her story is common of many people that we talk to that are impacted by dementia and particularly living on her own uh, it draws attention to some of the aspects of care that are really, really important for, for her and for others that are living out in the community. About 70% of people living with dementia are living out in the community. Some will be accessing care services, but some may not. And I think this is what, why Dementia Australia has been so strong in calling for that more consistent compulsory dementia education for staff because there are great education courses out there. We've already heard a little bit about some of them today. But there are some really simple strategies that can make it not only easier for the person living with dementia, but also for the care staff mm. to engage in a much more effective way. And so some of the strategies that 
you know, can really make a huge difference. Focus on simple changes to the physical environment, focusing on being able to communicate clearly, thinking about our verbal as well as our non-verbal body language. These are things that can make a huge difference in the way that somebody experiences dementia as a person living with a disease but also then it gives a sense of insight and empathy from the care staff or from from the community and, and people around them as to what they're actually going through and how they can best support them too. Stay with us because I think Carly Ani has been waiting patiently who's in Greensboro. Welcome. What did you want to say? Hello. Um, thanks very much Rochelle. I just wanted to add to the um lack of understanding and education bit um, to the to the start and sort of, you know, preventing dementia in the first place. Like, what are we doing to prevent that as, as a country? And um, we know that there are risk factors for developing dementia in older age, and it's not a part of normal ageing. So I get that all the time in, in my work, you know, it's just part of ageing and it's, and it's not. Um, and there are things like exercise in middle age um, and uh, control of you know risk factors for heart disease and things like that that I feel need to be made more prevention yeah. yeah how important is prevention kale we know we're sort of really just at the beginnings of preventative health I feel like in this country and in this state how important is exercise and a healthy diet or if you're predisposed to it does it not help at all it is an incredibly important element and, and people don't often think about their brain health, but uh, really a lot of the risk factors for dementia are the same as for other chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease. So having a focus right across our life cycle uh, on healthy habits is really important. And for, for dementia, we know that being physically active, not smoking, keeping a fairly balanced diet, uh, drinking alcohol in moderation, these things are really important, as well as making sure that if you've got untreated hearing loss, that you start to address that, manage any uh, depression or uh, uh, changes in mood uh, in a more active way. And being socially engaged is also really important for, for preventing dementia. And there is still a very much an evolving body of evidence, but we know that uh, for modifiable risk factors, so for things that we can change, not things like age and genetics, which mm. are non-modifiable risk factors, um, that if we focus on those, there is a chance of reducing our risk of developing dementia by about 40%. So it's a, yeah, so it's you know, it's not it. insignificant change. Yeah. So all of us need to be focusing on our on our brain as much as we focus on our physical uh, heart health and, and you know, um, fitness, etc. Well, you and your team do incredible work. They've been mentioned many times today, and I'll give all the numbers again at the end of the program. Kale, thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for talking about it. Really important conversation. Thanks. Dr. Kale Stokes is the Executive Director of Advocacy and Research at Dementia Australia. And today we haven't focused on the carers, and that's not to say that you're not out there and you are not seen, absolutely not. But today we have focused on the individual who was living with dementia and what we can do to help support those people more. So if you feel like you weren't seen today as a carer, we really hope that that's not the case. I'm going to give you those numbers again. National Dementia Helpline is 1800 100 500. 1800 100 500. And if you need an interpreter or if you need some assistance with translating, it's 131 450. 131 450.
My name's Rochelle Hunt. Thanks so much for your company this weekend. Uh, this week, I should say, have a wonderful weekend. I'll be back with you on Monday. And on Monday, we're going to take you to Orbost and we're going to look at the impacts of the early closure of the timber industry, what that means to that community who are losing a lot of work. Take care and speak soon.